Welcome to Season 3 of Talking to Humans. I'm Mark Andrus, one of the pastors here at Redemption Gateway. I'm joined by my co-host, Vicki Demert, our counseling director. Hi, Vicki. Hello. Great to uh, be with you guys today. Um, this season, we're focusing on the topic of conflict and how to engage in conflict. Um, and we're joined today by our guest, Darcy Wilcoxon. Hey, Darcy. Hello. Darcy is a friend of mine. She was part of the uh, core team of folks that actually uh, planted our church, what, 12, 13, 14 years ago at this point. Been She's been involved in a number of ministries here, small groups, foster care adoption. Has just been a faithful member of our church for a long time. Does some teaching with uh, some trust-based relational intervention. Is just a, a good friend. So we're glad to have Darcy join our show today. Thank you. So uh, our our topic is for this season, like I said, is discussing conflict, and uh, specifically, Darcy, we brought you in today to talk a little bit about family of origin. Um, and so, kind of the, the first question to put out there is, what in the world mm. does your family of origin have to do with conflict? Well, first, just to clarify for a lot of people who may not understand what family of origin means, although it is a fairly popular thing to say now is the family that you grew up in. So whether it's your parents or if you were raised by, um, at, from a really young age, grandparents or aunts and uncles or whoever you were raised by from a young age, that's your family of origin. And so when you're raised and you're interacting with those adults as a young child, you are learning how to socialize, you're learning how to connect, or not, really. And so, unless we do something intentional or um, have some sort of intervention, i.e. counseling, therapy, etc., we are just going to take what we've learned and we're going to use that as a model for the relationships later on, whether that's coworkers, a spouse, the children that we may have, um, we use that as a model for those relationships going forward. So, so what I hear you saying is, as a just as a general pattern, obviously there's uh, yeah, there's exceptions to every rule, but as a general pattern, kind of what's modeled for you, what you grew up in, is largely going to be very impactful on what you repeat in your own relational dynamics as an adult. Is that fair? That's correct. Yeah. Okay. Can you give us an example of something that might happen or way of engaging as a child and then how that would play out as an adult? Yeah. So growing up in a home where emotions are considered not appropriate, Mm -hmm. um, emotions are too much. So something that you, what's modeled for you is facts-based. Um, I want the truth, the whole truth and nothing but mm. the truth kind of a thing. Um, logical, linear brain processing. Um, so when you get into um, relationships, um, either with spouse, coworkers, children, you're going to rely heavily on those facts that linear uh, brain processing that says, what's the truth in this? And that's what I'm going to lean on. Doesn't matter how I feel. I probably wouldn't even know how I would feel mm. if I was in that situation. Um, if that person was showing emotion, that would be really difficult. And 
um, we probably tend not to even understand what's going on with that person and discount anything that person may say if it didn't uh, correlate with what you knew in that moment to be the truth. Um, and so that's kind of just an example of how that would translate from one to the other. So kind of emotion, like if you grew up and there's no space for emotions, um, you have to learn how to engage and function in a context where your emotions um, aren't welcome or there's not space for them. So you have to learn to do, because you don't just stop feeling them. So you have to learn to do something with them. And if you can't feel them, you hide them, stuff them, avoid them. Then when you're an adult, um, that's you're going to come kind of more with that linear thinking and engage that way. Um, and so if somebody else is having emotions that could be disruptive and being like, they're kind of breaking out, they're kind of uh, breaking the rules of emotions aren't a part of this equation. Yeah, I mean, we even take that into our relationship with the Lord. If wow. If that's kind of the way you learned how to work in the world and then you grow up and you trust, there's a very um, left brain mm-hmm. trust of what God says, the words that of the, that the Bible has to say, which are all good things. I mean, we yeah. all, um, that that's a great aspect is just this deep trust, but there's, there's struggles to be even that emotional connection to some of the even like worship music, mm-hmm. the the emotions in the Psalms, um, can, there can be a struggle to connect emotionally sure. with what anybody, uh, the authors in the Psalms are talking about. Um, even even Jesus's emotions mm-hmm. can be hard to connect with because that there wasn't space for you to um, to do that. Now that's just one reaction to that being played out. Sure. Um, yeah. Even this idea that it would affect the way we engage with God. Yeah. Um, or, or don't engage with him. Yes. What, what's interesting is to hear that and you're talking about the, um, the tendency, you know, based on what you have modeled for you, then, you know, if emotions aren't allowed um, or they're, you know, irrelevant, um, then I'm going to approach everything just through a linear, factual, logical, rational, you know, approach. I imagine then as, as an adult in other contexts, like you said, marriage, work, kids, um, when you get into conflict with somebody else who shares that same approach as you, conflict probably isn't that hard. Because I mean, uh, to the extent of like, hey, well, we're both going to approach this with a logical, rational, step-by-step. And so it turns into more of like a, you know, a factual debate. Yeah. And then you go, okay, well, I can understand more of where you're coming from because you're presenting these logical things to me. Um uh, but because we have a same kind of approach and dynamic and, and flinch, that kind of conflict is way easier to make sense of and work through because mm-hmm. you're appreciating the other person's process versus if you if you end up, you know, for instance, married to somebody who does not have that same kind of upbringing or same kind of flinch as you. Is, well, here I am thinking everything through a lens of like black and white objective truth, which again, there is black and white objective truth in a lot of places, um, but a logical, factual process through stuff. Meanwhile, I'm seeing across from you know, my wife or my kid or somebody who's like, doesn't have that. That's not their lens of by which they view things. I can't enter into that. I don't understand that. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And she feels that I don't understand yeah. that. 
And so that actually amplifies the conflict, makes it even that much more difficult to work through it because we're not even speaking the same language. Right. And the tension between um, feeling that there's a rational side mm-hmm. and an irrational side. Mm. It feels like you're saying there's a, there's a right or a wrong. Yeah. Correct. And yeah. saying like the feelings are irrational. Yeah. Although they're there and they make sense and we were created with them. Yeah. And we are made in the image of a God um, who has emotions. In fact, the emotions were, um, when we're born, we're created with emotions first. Mm-hmm. We're not created with the left brain processing that comes much later. Yeah. Yeah. So, so based on family of origin, what we've had modeled for us, um, we're going to, like everybody's going to have different, strengths, Mm -hmm. different flinches, different deficits and weaknesses based on what I did or did not experience growing up. Like some people have, you know, have parents that fight well in front of them Mm -hmm. and like, Hey, I'm watching, you know, mom and dad are in conflict and, you know, mom is expressing and dad doesn't like it, but he's listening and understanding and repeating and, and then asking questions, you know, and they're doing that in front of us and like, man, it's hard to imagine that kind of thing actually happening, you know, but, (laughs) but some people, it does happen. (laughs) Some people have that modeled, like, okay, I have that. Whereas, you know, other people, it's like, mom and dad fight in front of us, but it's ugly. Mm-hmm. And there's yelling, and there's name-calling, and there's cursing, and maybe there's, you know, stuff being thrown. Um, or, you know, my parents never, you know, express any kind of conflict at all. And so it's like, what does that teach me? Well, conflict is bad to be avoided if it, you know, because I never saw it. If it never, like, once I'm married now, conflict is happening in my relationship, something must be wrong. Because I conflict doesn't supposed to exist, or it gets done in private, and you hear things in the other room, and doors slamming, and parents yelling at each other, but they come out fifteen minutes later and act like everything Magically, is okay, and suddenly like yeah. so you have all the that's only like four different categories, but but based on what we experience, family of origin, like that that forms and shapes. Um, why, from your perspective, do you think it's helpful to look back at that? Because there, there, there's, to a certain degree, it's like, well, I can't, I can't do anything about that. Like, it, it happened. Um, to, to, you know, some people would say, like, well, hey, if you're going to go back, you're dwelling on the past. You know, what Paul says in Philippians about forgetting what lies behind. What is the value in going back and examining the family of origin? What has formed and shaped how I view conflict? I think, one, to say that we all have to, I don't think it's completely necessary in that especially if there was a lot of trauma and a lot of explosiveness that may or may not be helpful there is one um thing that you can recognize that i have found helpful of course that a little bit more on the um logical side is that that Attachment style is what we call that, or relational style was given to me. And so it's, it is helpful for me to think about that. And it wasn't all these things that I did wrong mm. or that I am doing wrong that I don't know how to fix or um, don't know what to do with, that I can look back and say, this was given to me and I can change that. So that was that's a helpful distinction, even just a, recognizing that these are things that were given to you, but they're not set in stone, that um, our brains are plastic. We call that neuroplasticity, that we can change. I think that's a pretty big distinction because I think kind of the temptation is people might say, um, 
well, it's my my the fault of my childhood. It's the trauma that happened to me. So that's why I act the way I do. But what you're actually saying is we have responsibility. We can look and say this happened to me, but I also have responsibility and and ability yes. to change and do differently. Um, so it's, it doesn't become the the I'm not just stuck. In, it's not a fatalistic yes, like right. excuse fatalistic. or justification. Yes. Well, this is this is just what was modeled for me. Yeah, this is what happened to me. I so. can't do anything about it. Yeah, but there's actually a responsibility that we have. I am in control of, and I can change uh, the way that I um, engage going forward. The for hard sure. part would be looking back at childhood. Um, we may be looking back and have, having to acknowledge things that we don't want to look at or acknowledge or it would be scary or risky to. Yeah. And for some people, there's not a, it's hard to remember. Yeah. Um, it can be really difficult for people who were not allowed to engage in that emotional relational <laughs> aspect because then it, that's where a lot of our memories lie yeah. is we may remember events as specific um, actions or places or that yeah. sort of thing. But getting a full sense of how things were in a family can be difficult Yeah, in that sense. And I feel like we would um, have a tendency to want to minimize the um, either the sin that was done to us or that happened or the impact on us because to actually look at it um, realistically and in truth would be would be painful. It's really difficult. I mean, Kurt Thompson in his books talks about the um, being truthful and honoring mm -hmm. to your parents, and that can be really hard when you really did have parents who, um, in lots of other respects, did a great job. Yeah, and it's not one or the other. Like right, like when we say this was hard or this hurt me, we're not saying that they did a horrible job over here here like or that this wasn't good yeah you know we can hold both that was well done and this hurt so I I have an example yeah from my childhood that maybe we could kind of unpack yes um, so I won't go into like super big detail but growing up consistently we had to do this thing where we were um my dad would call us to come stand at attention and what that meant is we could be playing we could be doing whatever and he'd be summon us over and we would have to stand in front of him um, stomach in chest out and we weren't allowed to talk and we would have to stand at attention while he watched tv until we cried and the way that we would get out of that is um as soon as we cried he'd kind of you know dismiss us and um for some reason I would would be like I'm not gonna cry I'm not gonna cry so I might be standing at attention for 30 45 minutes um, and then I'd kind of feel this tear kind of come down and, oh, man, you know. But so, so here's this thing that happened to me as a child. And to see the ways that it has impacted the way I relate to and engage um, with men mm -hmm. and men in authority has been very difficult. And, and even when I started dating my now husband, Matt, I would be very silent in conflict. Yeah. I, he would say something. I would be silent. I would not talk. And he was like, Vicki, I'm afraid that you are going to explode. Like you are a ticking time bomb. And um, I I didn't 
I wasn't allowed to talk. And so now I'm in this bind yeah. of I must talk, but I, I wasn't allowed to. And sure enough, I did. I exploded like a volcano. And, um, you know, so it was this pendulum just went, you know, from one. And it, it's also affected the way even at work. Um, I've had to work through engaging with um, the pastors and, and and they've been super gracious. It's been a healing context for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to one, acknowledge it, um, work through the pain of it. Yeah. And then, cause it's not like just acknowledging it. Oh, like now I'm going to do it's differently. All fixed. Now I have permission. Yeah. yeah because I, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. Like, oh, I look and acknowledge this thing. Now all of a sudden I'm, I'm able to engage differently. That's not how it, how it worked. And yeah, there's, there can be this, it, for people who don't have that in their past, it can, it can be like, I don't, it doesn't make sense. Someone's given you permission. Why couldn't you just say something? Yeah. But there can be liter- a literal block yes. in your body that doesn't allow you to move forward. Yeah. And without t- disassembling that, um, all that, that goes on with that, it, that that it can stay there and then it's more confusing yeah. and yeah I would have this thing happen and I didn't actually realize it was happening until I started looking at this family of origin incident where I'd be in a one-on-one in my uh, meeting like with Mark or Seth and my I'd get really cold my mouth would go dry and finally like when it was brought to my awareness I remember being in a, a meeting with Mark <laughs> and um I was like I, and really, there wasn't even conflict yeah, there, happening. We weren't fighting or arguing we or disagreeing. Really, we were just having a conversation yeah. about a ministry situation. And I think what, it, it totally was Mark's fault. No. <laughs> he asked me for my input or opinion or perspective on something, and I just started having this, like, oh, I'm going to speak. And it was one of the first times that that I was able to be like, I'm, something is happening mm-hmm. in my body. We had to stop the conversation. I was like... I need water. I, I felt like I was like leaving my body. Do you remember this? I did. Yeah. Clearly. And it was kind of like, we were like, I don't know what's happening. <laughs> um, but we had to stop the conversation and it wasn't even conflict. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. There was, there was a ministry situation and I was asking for your, your advice, your perspective, your input on something. And, and I watched that play out and I watched you like, you grew very uncomfortable and it was like, there's a moment where I'm like, what did I do? Did I say what something? Is, yeah, wrong? What's but, happening? Know, right now. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, you know, worked with you long enough. I'm like, well, there's got to be a good reason for something that's happening. And but uh, yeah, I I definitely remember that. Yeah, and that was before I was able to kind of even share this experience of standing at attention. So like, once I was able to like share it and work through, I think some of those things made more sense. Like, oh, so this is hard because Mark didn't make me stand at attention. Nope. And right. he was never ever asking me to yet. I carried that into this conversation, unaware that that's what I was doing. Yeah, and I think in some aspects, um, the Holy Spirit moving your body into a place where now you have to dis- you have to acknowledge something's going on. Yeah, where that's hard for people to recognize when it gets harder is. Sometimes the Holy Spirit is saying, hey, look at this. Yeah. And yes, it may get a little messier before it gets easier. Yeah. But that's kind of the process of healing yeah. in those situations. And I think that's where the like the logical linear, linear 
left brain thinking kind of falls short because oh, it'll totally, totally fail you. Yeah. I'm having this physiological thing that I now have to like experience and and um, look at and process. Um, but I would say healing came in that moment with Mark because he gave me the space. There was kindness. There was, yeah. yes, there's space for you to, we can stop this conversation. Like he wasn't annoyed. He wasn't. Yeah, I think I put, I see you asked for space. Like, okay. So yeah. I don't think I picked up my phone and like check my email or something, my <laughs> like, Slack and like, well, like, when she's ready to go. Yeah, so in the meantime, right. I'll just, you know, yeah. do what I got to do. Yeah. He wasn't like, I'm out. He wasn't like, he's like, I'm, yeah. <laughs> like staying. Let's there, there's space if it need, if you need five because I was like I don't know I need water I'm whatever's happening yeah, yeah. What, yeah. One, one of the things that's interesting and, and I'm not trying to I'm not blow my own horn or anything like that but like if if in that moment I were to go what is going on mm-hmm. what, what is happening we were just having a great conversation yeah. and now all of a sudden like if I were to like somehow like get defensive about that take that personally you know begin questioning putting you in a position where you have to like defend or explain yeah. what's happening. Now, functionally, what have I done? I've I've told you to stand at attention. Yes. I've said, hey, mm-hmm. stand up and explain everything. Give me a reason why I should give you mm-hmm. the space. Mm-hmm. Um, now, obviously, I, I didn't do that, yeah. and that thought didn't cross my mind. But one of the reasons why it didn't even cross my mind to do that is we've had conversations in the past where I know some of those deficits, some of those experiences, mm-hmm. some of the family of origin stuff, some other previous experiences to where you know knowing that actually – set me up to be able to respond yes. graciously and patiently yes. in that moment. Um, which, which brings me to this part of the, the family of origin conversation. This, like, there's a, there's a tension to manage in here, which is there's a ton of value in examining family of origin and considering, okay, what did I experience? Yeah. How did my family do this? How was this modeled for me? Or the good things, like the Jay Stringer talks about honor and honesty. What were mm-hmm. the good things oh, about that? Oh, that's right. That's mm-hmm. who it was. Yeah. What were the bad things about that? Mm-hmm. So it's not just, you know, because we really wrestle with it. We, we think like if we say something bad or negative or critical, um, that negates the positive things mm-hmm. that were there. Yeah. Like, no, we can do both at the same time. So there's a ton of value in looking back and seeing what's there. Um, but not not just for my sake, but also for the sake of being able to to be in a healthy relationship mm-hmm. with people around me as I understand that, then I can, I can communicate yeah. with other people. Hey, here, like when you, when you ask a question this way, like mm-hmm. if you say, Hey, why are you mad? That's this, is, here's this impact it has on me. Like that feels like an assault. That feels like mm-hmm. an assumption. Um, you've already decided what I'm feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why that's a problem for me. So which is mm-hmm. family of origin sort of stuff. Um, you know, but, but that, well, that self-knowledge, if you will, that self-concept allows me to say, hey, when you, like, that's a perfectly legitimate question to ask. Could you ask it this way? Mm-hmm. Instead of, like, because of how, why are you mad, how that feels accusatory to me, could you instead, when you notice something, say, hey, it seems like something is off. Yeah. Um, did I do something that mm-hmm. upset you? Um, are you, like, are you, is there something happening where, like, I can't tell if you're mad or if you're yeah. upset or if you're just trying to detach and, and process, like, help me understand what's going on. When you come at me with that kind of, curiosity rather than just what feels accusatory of why are you mad that helps me engage a whole lot better um but that like examining that past stuff helps me understand myself more not to be able to go i demand that you love me this way um which i think is some of the fear of like well this is just how i am yeah you know that's fatalistic but now i can go it, it helps me invite you in but then also 
I can do the same thing for you. As you're yeah. able to share that stuff with me, then I can go, all right, here's what it looks like for me to respond yeah. in, a, in a particular way. Yeah. One thing I'm thinking is um, we're hurt in relationships, but we're also healed in relationships. Yes. And so, and it may not be the same relationship um, that that I'm hurt in, and I'm, and that hurt is healed in a different relationship. Um, so, for example, I was hurt with my dad, but I was healed um, in different ways in relating to and sharing those things with Mark, mm-hmm. right? So now he knows he's able to have compassion um, and not make assumptions and all of, you know, and, and uh, validate and give space and all of that stuff. And I think one of the things to mention too is it's um, super important, I think, for people to realize, so like you have multiple siblings. Yes. Um, I have multiple siblings. There's... Each of those, each of us siblings raised by the same parents are going to react and come away with different ways of relating based off of the way God created them specifically. Yeah. So each of your siblings reacting to that specific situation. Yes. I'm going into adulthood with different things and some of them may not, that may not have been an issue going forward and some of them have. That's fascinating and true. I have a twin sister. So the two of us would stand side by side um, at attention. And as I remember it, she would kind of cry. She's like, this is just annoying. She'd cry pretty quickly and be gone <laughs> yeah. and be done with it. And it didn't have the same impact on her that it had on me. Although there were other things sure. that happened that I was like, oh, that was really dumb. But that wasn't, you know, but it impacted her. So yeah. that's a great point. Just because I'm affected one way, my sibling might not be. Yeah, and we look at our siblings sometimes and go, I don't understand why they have that relationship with a parent or with a spouse or with their kids. I don't understand why they do that this way. Um, This doesn't make any sense. We're raised in the same house, you know, and yet we all experience and then go forward sometimes with different things. It'll be probably a general same relational style, but the outcome of that can be a lot different. Yeah. So now as we, in our last couple minutes, this we've, we've kind of maybe even just touched the surface of family of origin and yes. ma- making a case that, hey, it, it does shape us um, in different ways that we may not even be aware of. But Darcy, do you have any recommendations? Like, okay, if somebody really did want to be like, hmm, maybe there was stuff in my childhood that I need to look at or what, what is the next step? Um, I think just finding somebody who, a a safe, trusted friend who, um, probably doesn't have the same, uh, kind of relational style, someone who is, is good at looking at things from multiple perspectives. Um, it that could be just a safe, trusted friend. It could be a counselor, therapist, um, I think that's somebody who you know that you'd be comfortable saying, "Hey, look, this is what happened. Mm-hmm. What should? How do I? What do I do with that information? How do I go forward? Help me see how that's playing out." So they need to know you well enough to know they can't just be someone who you've said hi, <laughs> yeah, um, hi to, and unless it's someone you're willing to spend a lot more hours with um, in kind of a one-on-one. Um, but people who know you really well and you trust them to 
see things and bring them up, not someone who's just going to say, oh, I'm sorry, and then not really know what to do with that information. Yeah. Just a final thought that I was thinking through is, you know, some of the, some of the concerns with this kind of, uh, this topic and, and this, this frame of mind is the fear of, like I mentioned before, using it as a way to, you know, defend or excuse or, you know, alleviate my own responsibility. Well, this is just, this is just what was modeled for me. This is all I know. I, I just, you gotta give me grace. I can't do anything different. Like we're, we're certainly, we're certainly formed by those experiences, but we're not doomed by them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. Um, you know, or, or another way to like, hey, they're to in, then to go and look back at this and try to understand the family of origin stuff. It's informative, but it's not determinative. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, even scripture even speaks that. Like, the, it feels if you just do a cursory reading of it, it feels like scripture might actually contradict itself. Which, spoiler alert, it doesn't. But even in in Numbers and Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, there's a couple places where it talks about the sins of the fathers mm. being visited on the third and fourth mm-hmm. generations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and there's, you study more stuff in scripture, even like we were talking about the, the sermon series we we're doing here on Sundays through, you know, we want a King and even looking how, what David modeled mm-hmm. for his kids, how that yes. passed yeah. on to Absalom and then Solomon and then Rehoboam and Jeremiah. Like, yeah. so you look at that, you go, that is biblically, sociologically, yeah. psychotherapeutically, any of the other, yeah. you know, words you like, that is true. It is. And at the same time, like God himself is not contradicting himself, but he's, he's offering hope in the midst of that. So you have these passages like the Lord visits the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children, the third and fourth generation um, because of their iniquity. And also because the iniquities of their fathers, they shall rot away like them. Um, And then on the flip side, it says in another book of the Pentateuch, you know, later on Deuteronomy fathers shall not be put to death because of their children, nor shall children be put to death because of the fathers. Um, You know, but in second Kings, it says the same thing, but each one shall die for his own sin or in Ezekiel, the son shall not suffer for the iniquity of the father, nor the father suffer for the iniquity of the son. Um, and and so you go, like, what, do you, what do you do with this? Like, wait, that you read that just as it is and it sounds like, well, on one hand, God is saying we're doomed to repeat the sins of the fathers. So on the other, it's saying like, actually, no, you're not. So mm-hmm. what what's going on there? Um, and I was, I was reading this. Uh, John Piper wrote this in a Desiring God article back in, in 2009. Um, you know, it says, because of God's grace, which is finally secured by Christ, children can confess their own sins mm-hmm. and the sins of their fathers, which means acknowledging how the sins of the fathers yeah. have impacted them, mm-hmm. um, and be forgiven and accept- accepted by God. So in Leviticus, it says, but if they confess their iniquity and the iniquity of their fathers, if then their heart, if their uncircumcised heart is humbled and they make amends for their iniquity, I will remember my covenant with Jacob. And so there's this beautiful promise in the midst of these generational sins mm-hmm. and the sins of the father that get passed down that, that God who is the covenant-keeping, um, curse-breaking God, enters in um, and, and brings this, you know, brings his character to bear. Like the, the primary way that God is spoken of and described in the Old Testament is a God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. Mm. Um, but, but in order for us to, to experience that transforming power of God's grace and forgiveness, we have to, at various points, be able to, we certainly have to look, look and see what is my own sin that yeah. needs to be forgiven and redeemed and, and absorbed by Christ. Um, 
But it seems like there's also points in which you have to consider, hey, what are the ways in which I have been set up to sin? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, the deficits, That's the right. sins of the Father. Um, how have I been impacted by those things? Because God stands just as ready to redeem those so that this isn't a doomed thing. Yeah. But this is something we can look at and go, okay, what are the what are the patterns I want to continue? Yeah. What are the mm-hmm. patterns I want to break and start yeah. a new pattern? And that seems to be, when you look at those passages together in the Old Testament, that seems to be what God is all about. Yeah. Yeah. And one of the, one of the, we talk about things don't change unless there's, we're intentional um, or there's been some sort of um, counseling or, you know, some intervention. And one of those ways that intervention happens is when people come to faith. Mm. And so I can even look back in my parents, both my parents, their parents, so my grandparents, I did not inherit the, f- the full weight of that relational mm. style mm-hmm. because as when my parents came to faith as young adults, without them even understanding what was happening, as they moved closer to the Lord and being obedient to God's word, they changed and now they still passed on things to me that I have to work through, mm-hmm. but it's not the full weight of what was before before that. Yeah. And so, like my dad was raised in a very sarcastic, um, that biting, um, mm. not kind, sarcastic. Mm-hmm. And he, we still we still love a little sarcasm in the family, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's completely different than mm-hmm. what he was raised mm-hmm. in because coming to faith and wanting to be obedient to God's word and leaning on the fruits, the fruit of the spirit, um, changed my dad Mm. in that. Um, and so even in that, knowing that God's at work, whether we recognize what happened in the past or not, God's at work and he's changing us. And if we're leaning on what God's word says and we're obedient to that, um, he will change us. Yeah. Uh, but there can be more, the more we do recognize, the more we do lean in and are curious about how that formed us, the more we can change and pass on even less of the weight of that to our kids. We'll pass on different stuff. Yeah. It's inevitable. It's called sin. But, um, <laughs> but what, yeah. what great hope. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And what There's great a lot good of hope news there. That, yeah. that he changes and transforms us and he's making us more and more like Christ. Mm-hmm. And Amen. Amen. It's a great ending place, I think, even though there's... Loads more that so we could talk about. Um, yeah. Great. Well, Darcy, thanks for uh, thank joining you. us today thanks for, for uh, this episode of Talking to Humans. And uh, there's more to come. So, uh, well, uh, thanks for listening. We'll uh, look forward to being with you again soon.